Would you pray with me? We know not what today will bring forth, God, but make us ready, Lord, for whatever it may be. If we are to stand up, help us to stand bravely. If we are to sit still, help us to sit quietly. If we are to lie low, help us to do it patiently. And if we are to do nothing, help us to do it gallantly. For Lord, I ask today that you would make us ready. And therefore I ask that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching. That my very frail and broken and human words might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word. Uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray this with great confidence. For we pray it in the name of the risen and the reigning Christ. Amen. Well, what does it mean to be ready? Fifteen years ago or so, I was in New York City with my friend and mentor, Greg Kutsona. Some of you have met him. He's been here as part of our Science and Faith series in the past. And we were in Times Square waiting to buy tickets for a discounted Broadway show, right? And this guy walks up to us and he says, do you like the David Letterman show? I immediately said, yes. And the stranger says, well, I've got free tickets for today's show if you can answer one question correctly. Now, at that moment, my mind was simultaneously excited and scared. Excited because I really wanted to go to the show. I definitely was a Letterman guy. And scared because I really wasn't sure that I was ready for the question. Did I know enough about the show to answer the question correctly? Here's the question. Who is Biff Henderson? Do you know Biff Henderson? Next slide, there he is. There's Biff. If you had been there, would you have been able to answer the question? Anybody know who Biff Henderson is? Yeah, you do? So Biff Henderson was Dave Letterman's on-air sidekick. He was part of the regular humorous segment where he would walk up to people on the street, random people, and interview them and ask them strange questions. Did I get the answer right? I did. And we ended up on the front row of the David Letterman show that night. Would you be ready to be a London cabbie? I read an article in the New York Times that begins this way. The examination to become a London cabbie is possibly the most difficult test in the world. Demanding years of study to memorize the labyrinthine city's 25,000 streets and any businesses or landmark on them. By the way, no GPS allowed. You must know it by heart. They call it simply the knowledge. Here's what the knowledge entails to achieve the required standard to be licensed as an all-London taxi driver. You need to have a thorough knowledge of the area within a six-mile radius of Charing Cross. You will need to know all the streets, housing estates, parks, open spaces, government offices and departments, financial and commercial centers, diplomatic premises, town halls, registry offices, hospitals, places of worship, sports stadiums and leisure centers, airline offices, stations, hotels, clubs, theaters, cinemas, museums, art galleries, schools, colleges and universities, police stations and headquarter buildings, civil, criminal, and coroner's courts, prisons, I don't know why that is, and places of interest to tourists. In fact, anywhere a taxi passenger might ask to be taken. Just consider the sheer amount of data that must be in your brain 
to be ready to be a London cabbie. I got to say, I didn't know. I knew they were good. I didn't know they were that good when I, when I read that article. My point is, like it or not, our world constantly demands our readiness. We have to be ready for so many things. Are we ready for the decisions that the Hasbro's game of life puts upon us, right? Are we ready for college? Are we ready to choose a career? Are we ready for our first interview, our first job? Ready to decide if we will marry? Ready to buy our first home? Are we ready for the birth of our first child and the lifetime of parenting that follows? Are we ready to surrender all these things to God? To trust them to Him? And in addition to those weighty things we must be ready for, there are so many everyday readiness questions life throws at us. Like, are we ready for summer? Are we ready for our kids to go back to school? Are we ready for hurricane season? And these questions are real, aren't they? They have consequences. I mean, just think about this question. Were we ready for COVID? Needing to be in a constant state of readiness can make us feel like this little girl. Not that little girl. The next one. We may be having... Are we having... Oh, there she is. It can make us feel like this little girl... Um, ill-prepared for battle, right? We feel like it's a battle and we're ill-prepared for it. But it doesn't have to be so. I believe if we are kingdom ready, all the other readies in our life will find their proper place. So what does it mean for Christians to be ready? What does living kingdom ready look like? The last few weeks, Jim and I have been focusing on lectionary readings from the 12th chapter of Luke. You may not have noticed, we've read from Luke a number of times, um, and today we will again in a moment, um, in addition to the Hebrews reading that you heard Mark read. Chapter 12 in Luke has numerous themes about being ready. If you remember last week, Jim talked about a person who thought he was ready, but who was not. He had an abundance of crop. He des- crops. He decided to build bigger barns for himself and to live the easy life. But that very night his life was taken from him. And the point is in the scripture that the man's self-centeredness, his selfishness is a sign that he was not ready for the life God had for him. Well, soon after, there's a a section in between, but after that, this is in Luke 12, verses 35 to 40. Jesus is speaking and he says this. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. So that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, Jesus will, and have them recline at table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus is saying we must be ready. And in this case, 
what's he talking about? Well, he's saying we need to be ready for the return of Jesus, right? We need to be ready for him to come back. But what does being ready for him to come back look like? Well, really what that looks like is living the life of a disciple, right? If we're living the life Jesus calls us to live, then we're ready. And if we're not, then we're not. And so... Um, are we ready to follow Jesus and love the world? You know, that's our vision statement here at the church. And I think that's a great summation of what discipleship is, right? That we follow Jesus and we love the world, just like Jesus did. And the reading from Hebrews that Mark shared gives us a tangible history lesson about what it means to be ready to listen and follow God. The first thing their story teaches us is universal. As sinful humans... No one can live every moment of our lives ready to fully embrace God's will. We will fail. We will stumble. And in the story we heard today, this very human couple was no exception as they struggled living into God's promises. Do you remember the process, right? God calls them to leave their home and to go out and Abraham says yes and he goes and he demonstrates great faith. But do you remember what happens soon after? They go into these other little mini kingdoms in that area and the local king found his wife, Sarah, to be beautiful. So what did Abraham do? Well, he lied to the king and he said that Sarah was his sister. And he did this multiple times and it didn't go well for him. But see... He's human, right? And then, of course, later, um, as the NIV puts it, and I just love this, it says, even though they were as good as dead. You know, you got to love it when somebody writes that about you. You're so old, you're as good as dead. I, I don't know what the original Greek is, but i got to love that translation. It says, even though they were as good as dead, and God promises to overcome their age and Sarah's barrenness and give them descendants as numerous as the stars, when Sarah hears it, what does she do? She laughs. She doesn't believe it. We are all human. And that's the thing I love about the raw honesty of the Old Testament. No one is trying to make these heroes out to be more than who they are, sinful humans. They're people that are frail and broken and sinful who are seeking with all their heart to try to follow God. And they're going to stumble and they're going to fall. And I want us to hear that news clearly today as we move through this passage. To be ready is not to be perfect. To be ready is not to be without sin. To be ready is to, be, to seek to be faithful when we stumble to get up and to repent and ask forgiveness and to try again and to reach out and take Jesus' hand over and over again. And God, of course, he knows coming up short is fundamental to the human condition. He knows it. God knows that as he calls each of us to be ready to follow Jesus and love the world, that we will come up short. This is why Jesus endured the cross to save us. This is why grace is central to our relationship with God. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, in Christ, God is able to make all grace abound to us to overcome our shortcomings, right? So that's the foundation upon which we are ready. We're, we're ready on the foundation of grace, right? We stand there in our readiness. And that, that is Abraham and Sarah's witness to us today. Even though they were not perfect, even though they struggled believing God's promises, 
they were ready. They were ready. Their actions ultimately spoke louder than their doubt-filled words. Even after their failures, they readily engage their faith. And once again are ready to go wherever God is leading. And their ready faith ultimately led their family to the promised land. Right? This is a great story of what being ready produces when we follow God. So what does it look like to be, as Jesus says, servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak? Numerous times in the Gospels, Jesus gives this advice on what it means to be ready. He says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Christ. Right? That first part is a doozy, isn't it? Deny yourself. I'm so glad it's in the biggest letters because I think it's the hardest part. The rest of it kind of flows, right? Once we get the deny ourself done. Uh, But it's a doozy because for sinful humans like you and me, by the way, that's who we are, self-interest is the greatest obstacle to knowing and following God. Self-interest is the greatest obstacle to knowing and following God. How often have we ourselves done this or have we witnessed others who twist the gospel to fill their selfish motives, right? We kind of torque the gospel around and make it reflect what we want it to reflect. And what it is is really we're just serving ourselves instead of following Jesus. So naturally, the key to readiness is keeping our sinful, selfish nature in check. And so how do we do that? Well, there's a process, right? First, we must be humble. Humility arises when we reject our pride and self-centeredness and see God for who he really is and all his power and all his glory and all his grace and all his mercy and all his forgiveness, right? When we understand all that God has done for us, the natural response is humility. It is, thank you, Lord, I can't believe all the gifts that you have given me and how much you love me even in spite of all that I've done, right? And so it leads us in our humility. Once we're humble before God, our selfish desires are beginning to be pushed aside, right? What, what rolls with our, our, our selfish desires is pride, right? So pride, when we're prideful, we, we tend to look out for ourselves and we tend to think that we're the most important person in the room, right? And so what's going on in us That's what we justify. When we stand before God and we stand before his grace and his mercy in Jesus Christ and we understand the depth of his love for us, it creates the very opposite of pride, which is humility. And from humility, we lean toward dependence, right? We understand that we are dependent. We acknowledge that dependence to God. And once again, that's the very opposite of selfishness and self-centeredness, right? We're relying on another We're relying on God's goodness and grace. And then that opens our heart to gratitude. So we go from humility to gratitude. And when we regularly engage in gratitude, we become present to the best parts of our life, right? We recognize all God has done for us, the life he's given to us. And then gratitude helps us to be teachable. Now we're open to hearing from God and doing what God is asking us to do. 
Like Abraham and Sarah, we must be ready to open our hearts. And here we have to develop, uh, you might think of them as spiritual muscles. We have to develop spiritual muscles of practice so that we can regularly trust God and listen for God. We have to create space in our life so that God can speak to us. And we can listen. And I know sometimes that sounds crazy hard, and maybe it is, but I can't tell you how often when I'm in the right place that I have a sense about things, uh, a sense about maybe only what the next step is, not the next five steps, but step by step, God will lead us when we are disciplined and create that space to be teachable, to listen and obey. So being humble and dependent and grateful and present and teachable, these are the fundamentals of being ready, ready to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Christ. You know, I've, I've said before, I have on my right arm, I have this bracelet, um, and it says, be present and be thankful. Um, and I have to say, you know, to live this way is really hard, isn't it? It's really hard. And I find, as simple as it is that this bracelet really helps me, I'll look down and see the words be present, and I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) I'm supposed to be present. I'm not supposed to be distracted by whatever's distracting me or worried about whatever was in my past or whatever that is. But even so, it's so difficult to live our lives daily, you know, humble and dependent and grateful and teachable and present. It is really hard, but it is a way of life. And the more we practice it, just like the more we practice anything, the more we practice it, the better we get. I've mentioned before that in the fall, and we we did that one-question survey that about 100 of you answered. We were so grateful for your answers. And we had a really great response um, of 100 answers. Almost 70 of you are showing interest in our weekly home groups, which are the groups that will meet in homes, And I really feel like that's what we need. And it's one of the reasons I'm really pressing this is for us to get reconnected to each other and reconnected in a deeper way to God. And it's as we meet together and study God's word and pray for one another that we're able, I think, to be trained up. That's how we train ourselves spiritually, to be humble and grateful and present and teachable and dependent on God. It's as we rub off and grind off the edges when we meet together and pray together. So I really encourage you to think about this fall being a part of that. Is it a sacrifice? Absolutely. Do you have time in your schedule? No. That's the whole point. But you know, it is true, isn't it, that whatever we really want to do, we find time to do? And it is true. And so think about, pray about that. Do you have time? Will you make time? Will you experiment with God and give God the opportunity for you to be ready in the way we're talking about today? Because when we daily take up our cross and follow Jesus, that's how we become ready to submit, ready to serve others, ready to seek first the kingdom, ready to love our neighbor as ourselves, ready to pray for our enemies. And it makes us ready for even more. Here's what I found. When we are kingdom ready, when we're ready to deny ourselves and follow Jesus, all the other readies in our life find their proper place. We are truly ready for anything. 
We don't have to be anxious or fearful about all the readies the world is demanding for us. For if we step, if we are in step with Jesus, no matter what good or bad comes, he has us. Now, he has you anyway. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, he has you. But here's the thing. You may not know he has you. You may forget he has you. But when we're walking in step with Jesus, when we're ready in the way that Jesus was asking us to be ready, when he said, I'm going to come back someday and I want you ready, when we're ready in that way, in this 24-7 world where we always have to be ready, when we're ready with Jesus and walking in step with him, all the other readies fall into their proper place because ultimately all will be well. We know this because we know Jesus. That's what helps us find our grounding in this life that is so full of questions and demands upon us. Now, may we remember the proof that Jesus has us as we make ourselves ready for this table today. May we humble our hearts. May we be grateful, fully present, teachable, as we make ourselves ready to celebrate God's grace represented at this table, because that grace is what makes us ready for anything that this world has for us. Prepare our hearts. Take a moment as we begin to read the prayers that we're going to hear. Allow them to flow over you and prepare your heart. Receive, be ready to receive God's grace afresh and anew today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.